Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. Today, we're going to be talking about, here we go, there's my sermon title, A Discourse on the Capacity of an Individual to Determine and Carry Out Ethical Decisions. Yeah, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. (laughs) I figured it'd be best to, to, you know, break the ice a little bit. Y'all know I like to joke, right? Everybody, I'm I'm like a, I love to play jokes on people. I like to joke. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll look into a stand-up routine one day. We'll we'll see. We'll see. But how many of you guys enjoy joking a little too much? Yeah, yeah. Does anybody else get in trouble? They, They joke, and then they're like, oh, dear Lord. I should not have said that out loud. That's me on a daily basis. If you guys could see my journal entries, it would be like all this stuff, you know, and then down at the bottom, like, oh, by the way, I need to really work on not saying those things. I always seem to get myself in trouble. I make a bad decision, and there we go. I'm I'm in the thick of it with uh, joking a little too terribly much. So um, here's my actual sermon title, Making Wise Choices. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, mom's like, I can follow that one. That's cool. <laughs> so we're going to be uh, talking about wisdom today. That's what We're in um, James chapter 3, um, 13 through 18. I'm pointing back here like y'all, got, y'all are looking at that side, but you're looking up here. Anyway, um, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles to James 3 right now, um, we'll, we'll get started. Um, who in here has ever made a terrible decision? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all of you raise your hand. I know you're lying right here in church. You didn't raise your hand. My kids are two and three, and both of them make terrible decisions, so I know you guys have. Well, I do that all the time as well, um, and I'm actually a terrible decision maker sometimes. It depends on what it is, I guess. Um, I can decide what I want to eat. Um, I know we all fuss with our wives over that, you know, like, oh, can you just please pick something. <laughs> and then she's like, oh no, you pick. And then I pick, and she's like, I don't want that. Um, so I can, I can decide with food, but with sermons, I'm terrible. So Mark was like, hey man, you just preach on whatever you want to. And I was like, I don't know what I want to preach on. And he's like, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's just one week, so why don't you just, why don't you just try to do the, the um, passage that we're on or whatever? And I was like, thank goodness, I have analysis paralysis with sermons, I guess. And papers and anything like that. If I go to write a paper or, or speak somewhere, I don't know what in the world I'm going to talk about or write about. So let's, uh, let's open our Bibles to James 3, um, 13 through 18, and uh, we'll pray real quick, and then we'll jump right into things. Um, dear Lord, we just thank you for this, this morning, this time of fellowship, this time of worship together, Lord. We ask right now that you would calm our hearts, Lord, that you would calm us, and that you might allow us to, to soak in your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to, this is part of my guinea pig thing. We're going to take this, not verse by verse, but section by section. James has set this passage up really, really nicely. Um, And we'll we'll get into how he set it up in in a little while. That doesn't matter right now. But we're going to look at James 3.13 to begin with. And i got to put a disclaimer out here. I'm also getting my feet wet with this whole thing, and my timing can be terrible. So you guys might be getting the 35-minute version of the sermon today. You might be getting the 15-minute. I, 
don't know. It just it depends on whether or not I skip all of my notes by accident because I'm ADHD or whether we actually make it through this. I need a checkbox thing. I'm going to start bringing a pen and, and checking off what I'm doing. James 3.13 says this. I think I'm reading from the ESV, um, just so you guys know. I don't know if that's important, but anyway. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So right there, we're jumping straight into wisdom. Let's, uh, let's define our terms this morning. That's something that, uh, we, if, if you guys have ever um, spoken with Amy, she might have mentioned a book called Tactics. Um, it's, it's a way that you can kind of defend your faith when people approach you about things. And the first thing that the guy tells you to do um, when, when somebody wants to talk to you, uh, you know, about a faith-related topic is to say, wait, what do you mean by that? When somebody addresses a certain issue, you say, well, what do you, what, what do you mean by wisdom? So we're going to look at what wisdom is. Um, it's the proper application of knowledge. How many of you guys know that knowledge is not the same thing as wisdom? If you've ever, if you've frequented, frequented any college campus, you might have run into a, um, one of those little annoying kids that just took philosophy 101, and he thinks he is, I mean, God's gift to the earth now because he's learned how to compose a, what we call a syllogism. It's just a little argument, right? And he's like, yeah, I got it all figured out. I'm going to argue into the ground, bruh. No. All right. There's a difference in, in knowing something and knowing how to use something, right? And wisdom, what we're talking about, is the proper application of knowledge. Now, Chuck has a story that he likes to tell me all the time at work. Uh, we eat, Chuck and I eat lunch together pretty often. Um, and he tells it way better than I do. Um, but my, um, he and my dad and um, their other coworker were given a... They were giving a talk at one of the schools, and my dad asked all these kids, they were like, hey, um, just, just what are some trees, some types of trees? Just name some types of trees. These kids were like pine, oak, you know, um, maple. And then this one kid raised his hand, and he's so confident. He's like, pineapple. And my dad's like, no. And he keeps going right down the line. And Chuck said the kid was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Chuck, said, Chuck describes it as like he... he um, he looked like he was having a midlife crisis at six years old, apparently. He, he was like, it was complete, his mind was blown. He received some knowledge that day. Pineapples do not grow on trees, they grow on bushes. And Chuck actually said that he and Jason stood off to the side and they're like, pineapple tree? Oh, no, it's a bush. It's a bush. Yeah, he's right. He's right. It's a bush. So uh, knowing that a pineapple does not grow on a tree is knowledge. Now, wisdom is whether or not you put it in a pizza, right? We're not going to get that debate going right now. Calm down. Calm down. We're not doing that. But that's really what wisdom is right there, is the application of the knowledge that pineapple is a fruit. All right, so James starts this passage off by asking a question. He says, who is wise? Who among you is wise? Um, context is pretty important here. Um, if you guys were to ask any of your kids that have been in the back with us for a little while, we, we go over, there's this one lesson that we've been teaching consistently the whole time Mandy and I have been back there. We ask them every single time we get a chance, uh, what are our three steps to reading scripture? And all of them stand there for a second. Some of them just say, like, Jesus, because then they'll laugh and say, like, Jesus is always the answer and stuff like that. But then one of them will be like, all right, all right, let's, let's calm down. It's context, themes, and application. We've been drilling this into their heads for forever. Hopefully they'll remember, 
hopefully they'll remember it. We'll see. Time will tell. But anyway, we're coming hot off the tracks with James from a passage about teaching. You guys remember that? Remember last week Mark was talking about teachers um, and also how to control your tongue? Um, So we're coming fresh off of that. Now, this passage is not just addressed to teachers. But um, I think wisdom, I think we would all agree that, that wisdom plays a very important role in the people that we allow to teach us, right? I don't, I don't know about you guys. I really don't like people that aren't wise trying to tell me what to do. I don't know. Anyway, um, we, had a, we had a lot of fun this past Wednesday at our small group thing. Um, we were talking about teachers, and, and somebody pulled out a, a Hitler quote and said, you know, if you, if you control the minds of the, um, the next generation, you control the world, basically. And we were like, dear goodness, they're going to kick us out because somebody's going to hear Hitler, and that's it, and we're going to get chunked out of here. But it is very important that our teachers are wise. I don't think we would consider Hitler wise, right? No? Okay, are we, all, we are all on the same page there, Right? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Wow. Those who are wise show their wisdom through good conduct, like faith, right? A couple weeks ago in James 2, um, Mark was talking about faith. And what was it? Faith produces what? Good works. That's right, good works. You guys can talk to me. It's not, it's not banned. Like That's, that's allowed. Um, today, anyway. <laughs> so wisdom should come with... And grow through our faith as well, right? I don't know anybody that's ever said, you know, as I've grown in my relationship with Christ, I've become more stupid. I don't think I've ever met anybody that said that, right? Wisdom and faith kind of come hand in hand. Um, has anybody in here, anybody in here think that they've become, like, that they are less wise now that they're a Christian? Because that's totally me. Every time I read the Bible, I'm like, wow, I wish I could have known this forever ago. I don't know anything. Um, and good conduct is the inevitable outgrowth of wisdom, right? Now, those who are wise also operate in humility. The translation we had said meekness. That is humble submission, right? That's what meekness means here in this passage. Um, I couldn't help but read, when I read this passage, couldn't help but think of the Old Testament. Does anybody in here like Proverbs? Everybody read Proverbs from time to time? Uh, you'll remember in, in Proverbs chapter 1, I forget the verse. I think it might be 7, but I'm not sure. I read it the other day, but anyway. Um, it says that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You guys remember that passage? A lot of this language that, that James is using kind of references that. Everybody know what the fear of the Lord is? It's when you're singing that really good Carrie Job song. In your car while you're riding down the highway, you're worshiping, you, you start crying, you close your eyes for a second and it gets to that part that says, come close, come Jesus. Then you realize you got your eyes closed and you're driving. So you open them and to your shock, there's a Middle Eastern man sitting in the back, of your, back seat of your car and he's like, what's up? I'm here. You said come close. And we all freak out, right? No. <laughs> you let go of the wheel, the ch- song changes to Jesus take the wheel and he's like, I got you. Calm down. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is humble submission to God, right? Those who are wise are going to show their wisdom through good conduct, and they're going to operate in humility, right? That is the fear of the Lord. Um, We would consider Jesus to be wise, I hope. Um, If not, you guys can come talk to me afterwards. Um, We might need to for a little bit. But two places in the Gospels, Matthew 20 and Mark 10, 
Jesus said this twice. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus himself was willing to submit humbly to the, to the, the desires of the Father and to come and to serve us, right? To serve humanity. So now James is about to unpack what he means with wisdom, okay? That was our little preamble there. We were getting our feet wet, dipping our toes in. Um, anybody like multiple choice tests? Anybody prefer them to anything else? That's what I mean to say. Not do you just like to take tests. I know, you weirdos. But um, do you like, out of, the, out of these different types of testing, would you rather have fill in the blank or multiple choice? Multiple choice, why? Because you can use the process of elimination, right? Well, that's what James is doing here in 3, 14 through 16. He says, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. Now, what James is doing, he starts off, he gives you a little, little nugget about wisdom, and then he turns around and he says, here's what wisdom is not. This is the, the elimination part. So we'll have a clear understanding of what wisdom is. And the first thing he does is he turns to an inward posture. The first thing he says is what? Let's go back and look at it. If you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, in your heart, then don't boast and deny the truth. Now, this kind of wisdom puts self ahead of others. That's selfish, right? And it may look to take from others. That's what envy does. Can you guys, uh, I want you guys to think of, just for a second, have you ever been envious of someone else? There's, whoops. I turned my thing off by accident and skipped a slide at the same time. That was talent. Um, I want you guys to think of somebody that you're envious of right now. How about that? Let's start there. Um, you probably, your, your choices regarding them are probably not going to be clear. They're probably not going to be the wisest things, right? And if you can't think of anybody that you're envying right now, I want you to think of somebody that you have envied in the past. Okay, think of that situation. If you've never envied anybody, raise your hand. Good. We have no robots in here. We're good. I just wanted to prepare if there was a Terminator kind of incident. Um, needed to know who you guys were and who was in between me and the door. So, we don't, uh, when we're selfish, we don't make the wisest of decisions, right? I don't anyway. This type of wisdom is antithetical. Did I turn this off? I did turn it off. There we go. It's antithetical to godly wisdom. I play with my hands too much. I need a fidget spinner while I speak. Godly wisdom, therefore, is humble, looks to serve in submission, like we've already talked about, but this wisdom looks to elevate the self. Worldly wisdom is two things. At its best, James says it's merely human, taking no higher perspective into account, and at its worst, it's demonic in origin. There's a, uh, there's a commentary that I like to use. It's a, a Bible background commentary written by Craig Keener for the New Testament. Um, I have one for the Old Testament. It's got the other, a different author. If you guys don't have a copy of that and you read your Bible often, I would suggest that you get it. Um, it's, 
It doesn't tell you what to think about passages. It just gives you some background information, right? And I just checked it. I didn't, I didn't think anything weird about this passage or anything. I just decided to look at it. And it turns out Jews at this time thought themselves to be surrounded by hordes of demons at all time, trying to stir up their own ungodly values in the world. This comes through pretty clear, I think, in James's, um, in James's passage that you know, um, the origins of this is, is opposite of God, right? We've already established that. What does ungodly wisdom result in? It says disorder and every evil practice. Now disorder here actually um, can be translated as division. It's a common thing in churches, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, we all know. We've been there. We've seen churches split, haven't we, Crossroads? Yep, that's right. Um, there's all sorts of leaders in churches all the time that are causing some crazy kinds of division. Um, there was actually a play, and I forget who authored it now. It was called The Christians, and it was about a, a pastor who belonged to a certain denomination. I don't remember which. I don't, it might not even have even told you. And in the play, he takes a certain stance on a theological issue. Then about halfway through, without talking to his wife, without talking to his elders, without talking to basically anybody. He takes no counsel. He stands up on, at the pulpit on a Sunday, reverses his opinion in front of everybody, and says that the church will also be reversing their opinion. The whole church now has to agree to this opinion that, he, that he's randomly reversed without talking to anybody. How do you guys think that went down? <laughs> It uh, caused a lot of disorder, a lot of division. You know, where there's division, we tend to uh, slander. Um, I don't know if you guys remember in, Tim in 1 Timothy, Paul writes about money. He says money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it seems to me like James is saying the same thing here about ungodly wisdom. That ungodly wisdom results in disorder, division, and every evil practice. We get ugly when we start walking in ungodly wisdom. But thankfully, thankfully, James doesn't stop there. He continues with wisdom from above. James 3, 17 through 18 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You guys see that first word up there? Up here? It says, but. Have I got a story for you? So we, uh, we were going through a passage kind of similar to this. You know, pastors hit this all the time. I'm sure you guys have seen it. And they're like, you've got to pay attention to this. If there's a but, you've got to look at it. We're changing directions, you know. Um, we're in the back with the kids. Um, we get to a passage very similar to this where we change directions and Mandy is like, all right, kids, where you see the buts or their fours, it's a very important thing. You need to stop and take note of this, okay? All you kids need to stop and take note of this. You need to look at your butts. Now, I don't, you guys raised them now, okay? So don't blame me for what happened next. They fell all to pieces. We didn't have that classroom for the rest of the morning. They're like, hi, Mandy, I'm looking at my butt. Can I look at his butt? I gotta pay attention to the butts. <laughs> Trifling. I swear. 
Kids are funny. We've learned so much. Teachers back there, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but James goes through a list. Um, lists are very important here, too. I don't know if you guys ever take note and, and try to underline each word in a list and really dig into what they mean, but that's what we're going to do right now. What you'll see is James is completely pitting this against what he just said. He's showing that, that these two wisdoms are completely incompatible. First, he says that wisdom is pure. Now, this is foundational. All of the other aspects in this list stem from the fact that wisdom is pure. Okay? It's unmixed. It doesn't mix well with, with this ungodly, earthly, natural, uh, demonic wisdom. It's completely separate. It's holy. Right? Then he says that wisdom from above is peaceable. Now, this is the opposite of division and disorder, right? Peacemakers don't cause division and disorder, do they? They reconcile. Next, he says it's gentle. Another translation of this would say considerate. It's not destructive, and it's not doing anything at the expense of others. I don't think that it means that you can't be firm, right? That doesn't make sense. Jesus flipped tables to run people out of a temple. He's not saying you can't be firm, but he's not doing that at the expense of someone else. He's not doing that just to hurt someone else. He's actually considering what's best for them, right? Wisdom is also open to reason. It's not boasting. When you boast, you, uh, you assume that your, your um, stance is correct and that everyone else's is wrong. That's the only reason you would have to boast, right? But this kind of wisdom does not boast. It can be persuaded. It's full of mercy and good fruits. You know, envy, when we're envious, we may attempt to take something from someone when they're defeated. We might attempt to... Um, Warm our way into somebody else's position within a church or at a job or something like that. We may uh, be open to kicking people when they're down. I don't know. That might just be me. Is that just me? Or does everybody else sometimes get the urge when you've had, you've had it with somebody and you're, they finally hit the deck and you're like, nope, that's just me. There, there we go. Mr. Craig's got my back. It's impartial. Now, Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Does anybody remember anything about impartiality in the last couple of weeks? Cool, I'll remind you. In James 2, uh, Pastor Mark preached a whole sermon on partiality. The church was favoring rich people and kind of pushing the poor folks that came in off to the side. Remember that? Cool. Why? Why do you think that, uh, why do you guys think that that a church would favor rich people. Because money gets us what we want, right? Sure does, yeah. What we want, what we selfishly want. But this kind of wisdom is not selfish. It's impartial to all, even ourselves. Now again, I don't think that this means that wisdom treats everyone the same. Um, people in different circumstances require different, you know, I don't know what I'm, how I'm supposed to word that. I should have wrote that down. Um, just because, let's see. Well, actually, I, I used to play soccer in high school. Um, and there's two types of kids on the team. 
there's way more than two types, but as far as getting motivated, there were two types. At halftime, if we were playing horribly, our coach would fuss at us. And I mean, like, he would lay into us, right? Now, for me, I was good to go. You let somebody lay into me, and I'm like, all right, I'll show you something. We're about to do this thing. Now, there's another half of kids that would cry, right? So wisdom might treat those two people a little bit differently. They value or they look for the same goal, correct? Right. Lastly, wisdom is sincere. It's not lying about the truth, right? If you, uh, if you lack wisdom, if you're full of envy and bitter hate, you're going to be boasting, James says. Um, but he says you're lying and denying the truth that you have wisdom. You're faking it. I say fake it till you make it all the time. James says that doesn't work here. You can do that sometimes with, with a guitar. If you're playing with a full band, you can just pretend to strum. Nobody ever knows. But when it comes to making good decisions, you can't do that, right? Then James concludes by saying that using godly wisdom results in the fruit of righteousness. Godly wisdom is going to mold us to be more like Jesus, right? And the seed, whoops, I'm sorry, I went too fast. The seed that is sown in a state of peace by those who make peace. Now last, this is the last point of this part of this. Um, how many of you know that peacekeeping and peacemaking are two different things? Wisdom involves making hard choices a lot of times. Um, not everybody's going to be happy because a lot of people are searching for their own selfish gain. They're going to be looking for what they want, what makes them comfortable, to establish their own plans. And sometimes we're going to have to make choices that uh, eventually will make peace, but it might not necessarily keep peace. I thought this was so smart. I was in like sixth grade, and somebody was arguing with me over like a just war thing. Why on earth would you do that in sixth grade anyway? That's weird. But he said, well, Jesus said, blessed are the peacekeepers. And I said, ha-ha, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Gotcha. That wasn't very wise to, to throw that in his face, right? But, but um, we see that throughout Scripture, this peacemaking. That, that involves an act, an active thing. Sometimes we have to establish peace, not just keep the peace. So what does this mean for us today? We've already established that wisdom is what? The application of knowledge. That's right. Thank you, Zach. You got my back. And honestly, if you want to come on up, we've just got a couple more slides. You can just kind of play in the background and uh, then lead us in worship here at the end. Now, by our conduct, we should demonstrate heavenly rather than worldly wisdom. Specifically, we should exhibit purity and peacefulness rather than jealousy and strife. We should be seeking to make, to make peace, to quell disorder and division within ourselves, within our relationships, and within our churches. Now, are we personally operating in worldly wisdom? I want you guys to think about this. Let's reflect on this just for a couple of minutes, okay, as, as we're transitioning here. Matthew 7.3 says this, it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And just the other day, it might not have been just the other day, it was probably several weeks ago, um, I think it was the first week Mandy and I got to come back out from teaching the kids in this run. 
Mark said, um, if you're thinking that this message applies to someone else, then you're doing it wrong. I've never agreed with something so more in my life. One of my favorite things about Scripture is that it steps on my toes, honestly. That's one of my favorite things about reading Scripture is that it, it forces me to acknowledge that I, I'm kind of terrible sometimes, right? So let's focus here on our own planks and not the speck in another person's eye, okay? Now, are we making choices based on selfishness or envy? I just want you to think of the big decisions that you've got going on in your life right now. Are you making them because it's the right thing to do? Are you causing disorder and division, following in every base thing? Are we causing divisions at our jobs, in our friendships, in our marriages, our church community? Because that's not what we want. That's not what godly wisdom is, right? It's not what we desire to do. Those are sacred things, really. We should fight to protect all of them. Secondly, are we allowing others who are acting selfishly or causing disorder and division to lead us? We don't always have a choice in who leads us, right? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do and you're going to have a boss or somebody put above you that, uh, that likes to stir things up, you know, likes to keep people fighting each other. But a lot of times we let people lead us. We let people speak into our lives. We take advice from people who want to do nothing more than cause division and strife, right? You guys ever seen Full House? You know Joey, where he's like, cut it out. That's what you need to do. That's a tough thing to say. Sometimes it's a tough thing to hear. But I think that's what James would advise us to do, is to cut that kind of stuff out of our lives. It has no place in godly wisdom. Lastly, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.